I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Absolutely crazy story involving Greg Schiano and could Jimbo Fisher be leaving? Charlie Strong too. Lots of doings in college football. We'll get into all that on this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Hey everybody, Rick Stroud, Tom Jones, Tampa Bay Times, our producer Steve Firstick. Before we get into all the college football musical chairs, uh, we'll do that in just a few moments. First though, the latest on Jameis Winston and the Bucks. Rick, you ride at one buck place on Monday. I guess there's a little bit of news involving Jameis. He might be getting a little bit closer, right? Uh, yeah, in fact, he's very close. Yeah, they did. Have, uh, Jameis had an MRI this morning, and uh, then he also did some uh, rehab work with the trainers. And uh, if if he does not uh, have any soreness tomorrow after that rehab work, it looks like uh, he'll be cleared to practice on Wednesday. I suppose there's a chance that, you know, he won't be able to grip it and rip it, but with this much time off and the way he says he feels, the way he's told people he feels, I... I Fully intend for, or, you know, that he'll play uh, at Lambeau. He plays at Lambeau, Rick, and I certainly, Ryan Fitzpatrick, as you mentioned, the last uh, the last few weeks here, and we've talked about this a lot as far as your backup quarterback. Your backup quarterback, if you have to play in three games, if he can win you one, you feel like you're in pretty good shape. Ryan Fitzpatrick went out and won two of those games, but clearly there's a difference in in the level of play between Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not a healthy, not an unhealthy Jameis Winston, that is. But if he's out there healthy, it's a much better offense, right, with the, with him than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, yeah, I mean, it should be. Uh, and yet, you know, at this stage of their careers, you know, Fitzpatrick has, you know, 70, almost 75 more starts or something like that. So he's seen a lot. And um, but no, I mean, look, the downfield throws, what's missing in the Bucks offense, Tom, has been the explosive plays. Right. They had eight of them, eight of them the other day. They try to get 12 a game, 10 or 12 a game. And, um, you know, Jameis has the ability to create and, and make things out of nothing. Now, sometimes and very often that's to his detriment. And I'm sure that, you know, if there was anything that he may have learned for the first time in his career, watching another quarterback on the sideline quarterback that offense, it's that, you know, you need to get the ball out of your hands. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, throwing the ball away or checking it down uh, is better than um, trying to fight for something that's not there. In fact, that's how he got hurt. So we don't know what Jameis learned and um, we don't know if he'll apply it. But this is an important, let me just say, this is a very important restart for Jameis Winston in the Bucs. Um, the season is probably lost in terms of, you know, on four and seven, you're not, you're probably not going to make it to the playoffs. And right. even if you went out, you're not guaranteed of it for sure. But look, I mean, this team has lacked identity. It's lacked, um, you know, any sort of a, of a consistency, of a winning feeling, of development uh, with Jameis and some of the other players whether they're Deshaun Jackson or O.J. Howard or, you know, uh, a running game. I mean, all those things still have time to show some life and some progress. And, you know, these are the pieces that whoever is the coach next year, um, and I don't have any reason to believe it won't be Dirk Cutter right now, but 
uh, ha- has to come together. And so it's another opportunity for him to, um, you know, not only, you know, sort of bury the first half of the season, but sort of bury the shovel with it. I mean, just go ahead and, and, and start all over. I'm interested to see how he handled this layoff, Rick, because you guys talked to Dirk Cutter about this on Monday, and I was surprised, not like shocked by Dirk Cutter's answer, but surprised that he said, you know, have have guys ever gotten better by, by watching? Uh, yes, they have. I've seen it happen. In Jameis's case, it's uncharted territory because he's never he's never watched in his whole life. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if and if and when that does come about, then we'll see. Beyond that, Rick, this is also the first time he's had real uh, setbacks in his in his as far as on the field goes in his career. Certainly his first year, his rookie year, the expectations were a lot lower and he had, you know, he didn't come out and play like an all pro right away. But I think everybody expected that. This year it's been a little bit of a hiccup. This is the first time you could look at his career and say, mm, it's kind of stalled for a minute. There's a little bit of a setback. And as you mentioned, there's a reset here. I'm curious to see how he handles this, not so much physically. If his shoulder's fine, I don't worry about that part of it. But mentally, how's he going to respond? Because he's getting criticism for the first time. There are people watching to see if he can take that next step to being an elite quarterback. I think this is a real interesting time for Jameis Winston. It is, and and it's going to get more interesting as they get into this investigation that's going to go through the offseason, and you don't know uh, what, if any, games he's going to be suspended maybe the start of next year. So he's fighting for his his um, sort of his place again, and, and I think he's sort of been forgotten. Uh, you know, the start of the season he was everybody's you know darling, and and uh, now when you hear people makes lists, and I know he doesn't consider very much you know what media people or other people think, but he's usually at or near the bottom. And right. you know, there's something to I think also when you're that invincible and you've been the unchecked, you know, starter everywhere you've been since elementary school or middle school or whenever you started playing, that you watch somebody else do your job. Um, and, you know, sure, this is through injury, right? But there's got to be a realization. It's, I mean, it's, this is a bad analogy. I realize it's like the country song, you know, that's my girl, my whole world, but that ain't my truck. Uh, <laughs> it's a guy going to his old house and seeing that somebody else is living in it. Um I wonder what that was like for Jameis Winston. You know, I wonder if he got the sobriety of, hey, you know, the Bucks are going to be the Bucks whether I'm quarterbacking them or not. Right. And sometimes that's a, that's you know that's a wake up sort of uh, reality to you that nothing is guaranteed. There's no guarantee you're never going to get hurt. There's no guarantee that you're not going to get benched, and there's no guarantee that somebody else couldn't do your job as well as you. Right. They, it's not like they didn't have any success when he was out. Now no. we can look at their schedule and say, well, they beat up on Who two cares? bad teams, the Jets. And all. The fact of the matter is they went 2-1 and one with Jameis not in That's the lineup. Right. And, uh, and, yeah, it has to be a bit of a humbling experience. I don't think there's any question he's a confident kid and that he'll, he'll go out there and, and have the same sort of attitude that he always has. But at the same time, I'm, again, I'm curious to see how he handles really the first true setback on the field uh, yeah. in, his, in his career, in his NFL career. We'll find out more here in the next day or two in terms of whether he'll be healthy enough mm-hmm. to play on Sunday. But it's certainly looking like uh, he's going to be ready to go on Sunday. Rick, let's dig into this Greg Shiano story because this thing was crazy. When we recorded our podcast Sunday night, we were in – uh, Atlanta, the the Falcons had just got done with the Bucks in that game, and and the word was starting to get out that Tennessee was about to hire Greg Schiano as it as its head coach, and then this absolute Twitter storm blows up. 
really led, I, I hate to give the guy credit because I don't always agree with a lot of what he says, but Clay Travis, the, the radio personality, really got this thing going. And uh, a bunch of people, Tennessee people, sort of hopped on sort of a, this sort of mob mentality. And essentially, Rick, <laughs> got this guy fired before he even started uh, with just their, this outpouring of just negativity. And, and part of it, Rick, was about they brought up the Penn State situation. Now, for those not familiar, Greg Schiano was a Penn State assistant coach way back in the day when Mike McQuery, one of the guys who was sort of the whistleblower on the uh, Jerry Sandusky case, alluded to the fact that he had heard. Now, he hadn't witnessed this personally, but he had heard that Greg Schiano apparently had seen something involving Jerry Sandusky. Schiano denies it, and Tom Bradley, the guy apparently that Schiano had told Bradley about, also denies it. And he was never indicted on anything. Uh, but this was sort of used as as the big sort of piece of information for why would Tennessee hire this guy? And I think that was sort of what got Greg Shano unhired or fired or however you want to put it, because a lot of people use this Penn State case as an example of, wow, we can't possibly hire this guy. Rick, I don't think the Penn State thing honestly had anything to do with this. I think there are a lot of Tennessee fans just didn't want Greg Shano because they didn't think he was a good enough coach. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they used this. A lot of them did. I'm not saying there aren't some people that uh, maybe were hearing that story for the first time or believed the version that uh, Clay Travis was telling. I, I really don't know. I, I and, and clearly, I, nobody knows, at least I don't understand exactly what happened back then. I do remember, and you were close to the Penn State situation emotionally because you grew up Yeah, I'm a for Penn them. State and, fan growing and, up. And when all that went down, if you recall, there was so much scrutiny and so much attention and – um, that thing got swept up everybody. I mean, it, sure. it it almost killed the program. But the school president went to jail. So yeah, and the athletic and director. the athletic right. director. Mm-hmm. So it, you know the 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 thought process goes that if that's the case, then they clearly looked into this. What McCreary said about Shiano having seen something and reported it, or not reported it, as the case may be. And if they thought that that met any sort of level of justice, it would have it would have resulted in something is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I I just know that that was looked at. Everything was looked at very closely back then when that investigation was going on. I still don't know what what if anything Greg saw. He says he says it didn't happen. Okay. Yeah, I and, think, and by the way, I'm not sitting here saying he absolutely didn't know anything. I don't. We don't know. But we don't know. But as I do you know it was, it was pretty yeah. thoroughly investigated. Yeah, it was investigated, and at least in as much as there was, there was nothing that they could prove or knew beyond what uh, what McCurry had told them. So, um, all I'm saying is that Tennessee is sort of, and I guess a lot of schools are guilty of this now. But Tennessee is like one of those places I think that feels like they deserve an elite coach like their program somehow has risen to some level which it hasn't risen to um and i just think they didn't want greg shiano Mm -hmm. and greg shiano um you know forgetting if you can't remove this whole penn state episode because that was what was used to sort of get this mob mentality against him but he's he's sort of you know dug himself a little bit of of a hole with with some of the things that that happened in tampa bay um and I'm not, you know, look, they seem petty on the surface, but there wasn't a lot of good press, right? There, you know, right. The, the whole kneel down situation in the NFL, going, you know, going after Eli's knees and the th- stuff that happened with Josh Freeman, and you know, while he was here, I mean, you know, they put a tent over the building, the Mercer, that wasn't his fault, but yet, 
you know, a lot of awful negative things. Kellen Winslow, toes on the line, blowing the whistle, and we played that clip a million and a half times. So the perception was sort of like, you know, he he was, I don't know, sort of out of control a little bit. Was, you know, his team was, you know, he was heavy-handed and, and more. Yeah, look, you talked to players. I remember you writing stories about this yeah. after the fact that a lot of players did not respect the man, not as they coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Not in the NFL anyway. And yet, you know, they look at the Rutgers – record and they say well you're barely over 500 um you know but if you consider what Rutgers was and maybe is again um and what he was able to build it to is is pretty remarkable so I have nothing personally against Greg I mean I know Greg I've talked to Greg I've had breakfast with Greg I mean it's not you know but I do know that I I think all of this other stuff is sort of caught up to him and I thought it was (laughs) it's unfair I mean it's just like what world do we live in now where where somebody that yells the loudest on the internet um can can stop an opportunity and and where just exactly i mean i've heard talk now that the tennessee athletic director might be in big trouble because right right he didn't anticipate this this happening i look at greg shannon's situation rick and i feel bad for him in this fact uh he's never going to get a head coaching job again i, I don't believe he will now it's going to i just to- i think that i don't i don't agree with that Really, I think this, I think this has gotten such momentum, and this Penn State thing has now been drudged up to the point where I think a team would, a school would have a hard time hiring him, whether it's true or not. No, you don't think? I mean, I mean, not, maybe not right away, but I also think that there's enough voices of reason and and important voices in the media and other other places that. Um, could maybe calm the masses too. Like he could, he, he had could a lot become, of people he could become up a, for him. He could become a sympathetic figure. Well, know, maybe so. Maybe so. He, he had a lot of people sticking up for him. One of them was Steve Politi, who's a colleague yeah. of ours, Rick. Who's the, oh, the Peter calmest, King and calmest and, uh, in New York. And, Dan and Wetzel and Pat yeah, Forty I mean, and I mean, you know, Belichick and Urban Meyer. Sure. Both guys said, you know, obviously Urban Meyer thinks the world of him because he's hired him as his defensive coordinator. I do feel a little bit bad in that case. How do you feel though, Rick? And I and I go back and forth on this. I think it's pretty cool in one way that that the that the fans had a voice in all this. That they let the university know that we don't like this hire, and um, and you shouldn't hire them. And, and they actually listen to those fans. But there's also part of part of me that thinks, wow, that's a dangerous thing when when Twitter can can get somebody. This is the first time we've seen this really. Twitter got somebody fired. Twitter, Twitter got I mean, a guy fired. Listen, Twitter can get you elected president if you do it the right way. I mean, <laughs> you know, let's let's not kid ourselves. Social media is real and it's here, and there's fake news, and then there's, you know, I mean, all these all these things we've seen evolve on social media, and we deal with it uh, at a totally different level all the time. I mean, I'm I am shocked. You know, the great thing about Twitter is you're all the same. You know, you you can you can jump in with a, with a multi millionaire booster. Uh, or you can just be some ham and egger in, in mom's basement. It really doesn't matter. You're the same. Right. You just scream the loudest. So, I think that you know when you hire coaches, if you're if you're Tennessee or the University of Florida, which just you know took Dan Mullen, I think you need to at least sort of have vetted somebody some way somehow. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of ways to do that. Maybe not as you know as publicly as signing a guy. You know to some letter of understanding and then yeah. and then realizing that maybe that was a bad idea. But um, I, I think you do have to be mindful of your fan base. Now, that's not to say, you know, you can't run a poll and let them try to pick the guy in his salary. I mean, you know, this is a business and you hire, 
You hire people to run your business. Most of the time, Tom, or very often anyway, these college presidents and sometimes athletic directors use about one of three um, recruiting services, sort of headhunters, if you will, for coaches. Search firms and that type Search of thing. Search firms. Yeah. And they'll go out and they'll they'll talk to the agents and they'll compile a list and they'll say, you know, come back with recommendations and four or five candidates and, you know, here's how we vetted them. Here, here's, here, here, you know, you tell me the things that you value and we'll tell you the ones that seem to match up and the ones that are available, et cetera. And I, I think that um, a lot of that, that background work is done um, but it, they're only as good as, you know, as, as the presidents or, or the schools that are, that are steering these search firms. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how this one got away from Tennessee so badly. Um, I could see where Greg Schiano wouldn't be well-received um, by some programs. I think Tennessee's full of itself, number one. I agree one. with that. I yes. think they think they, they expect to have John Gruden. I mean, this, you know, I've heard for years and years is, you know, we need John Gruden. Why? Why? You know, John Gruden should be coming here. I think John Gruden's coming here. I mean, you're never going to get John Gruden to go to Tennessee just because his wife was a cheerleader and his son goes there or whatever. You know, that's that's never going to happen, in my opinion. And so, but we. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today. You start having those sort of aspirations and like almost confused why it doesn't happen, then it, it stands to reason why a name like Greg Schiano would disappoint the fan base. And I think that for the majority of those people, and I haven't done a poll, but I think for a lot of those people, it was just, yeah, what about that Sandusky thing? You know, it's like, right, it has nothing right. to do with, with whether or not you believe it. It's just you can scream loud about it and that might actually work. Right. And I agree. And that's the same thing that, that happened to Jim Levitt. I, I believe at U at USF that the fans were unhappy with him winning eight games a year and not more than eight mm-hmm. games a year, and they decided to get him fired when he choked a kid. And I'm not saying it's okay to grab a kid by the neck, but right. I think that alone isn't what got him fired. They used that as well, an excuse to fire him. But more I think importantly, was, the, the administration might have had some some deep rooted feelings about wanting to get out of that contract and get away from Jim Levitt for various well, right. reasons. But but even Clay Travis, I listened to him on Monday, and he even he was saying. Look, let's face facts. If Greg Schiano had been eighty-one and and twenty-one at Rutgers, probably wouldn't mind. We probably would overlook what happened at Penn State, or at least make excuses for it, as opposed to a guy who they feel like sex sixty-nine and sixty-eight just just wasn't good enough. What I find incredibly interesting about all this, Rick, is if you believe the rumors anyway, this is the second time that that somebody panicked because Chip Kelly skipped out on him and. <laughs> and because follow it's the, true. Follow this, because of course you lived there, Rick. You oh, no. went to bed one night thinking Chip Kelly was going to be there. This is actually coach. six degrees of Chip Kelly. This isn't that it a, is. a direct to Greg Schiano, but you're right. 
But what going. ended up happening, I mean, Chip Kelly was supposed to come to the Bucks, and then they didn't, and the Glazers had to get somebody, and they had to hit another home run, so they went out and they got Greg Shiano, or they thought that was a home run. But what happened here, what many people believe happened, was Florida was all set to hire Chip Kelly, mm-hmm. and at which point, all of a sudden, Tennessee started centering in on Dan Mullen. That was going to be their guy. Well, what happens is, of course, UCLA fires their coach to get in on Chip Kelly. They get Chip Kelly. Florida starts to panic. They go after Scott Frost. They can't get Scott Frost because he's going to Nebraska. So they jump on Dan Mullen, and all of a sudden, Tennessee's left it with nobody coming to the altar. They panicked because they thought they had Dan Mullen. Well, turn to Greg Schiano. So this is the second time, really, when you look back, that Chip Kelly's decisions impacted uh, somebody hiring Greg Schiano. But I don't know, Rick. I I, I, ha- I think it's good. he's going to have a hard time getting another job as a head coach. Maybe you're right. I mean, right. it might not be at that level. I mean, it might not be an SEC school and a named SEC school for whatever you think of Tennessee's program. Um, but I do, I do think. Say you're, and look, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just guessing. But say, I think say I know where you're going with this. Say you you're Central right. Florida. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and sure, like people might get upset there too. But uh, you know, you lose Scott Frost, and you you got a guy that's you know been pretty successful and and i know i know greg before he went to ohio state had a lot of interest in that job um so i don't i don't think you would never say never so you're and i think what you're probably saying too rick is that there might be a school out there that's not as full of itself as tennessee and they would be thrilled to have great shannon absolutely as opposed to tennessee which thinks that they should be getting bill belichick or whoever yeah Mm -hmm. the other interesting story coming out on monday rick is this is starting to gather a lot of momentum now is the jimbo fisher and he's refusing to comment on it which is the right thing to do. But sort of the buzz out there now is that he will leave Florida State and he'll go to Texas A&M. Now, I know there's 8 million reasons why he would take that job. But at the same time, Rick, uh, I can't imagine why Florida State, if you believe the rumors, Florida State saying, hey, best of luck to you, Jimbo. Take care. Uh, They're not going to – they're not. or Either they can't or they won't match an $8 million a year offer. Would you, Mm -hmm. if you're Florida State – then I get it. Florida State's probably tired of, boy, every time there's an opening, whether it's LSU or whatever, we got to listen to Jimbo getting that rumor mill. Just come out and say you don't want to go. But if you're going to compl- keep flirting with people and playing footsie, then what, just go ahead and go. Maybe that's FSU's attitude at this point. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's sort of a thing going on out in college football. And, boy, you look at the amount of money being spent this week on buyouts. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but I think what has happened, and I, I, I'm trying to think of who I heard talking about this, and I kind of agreed with it, so I'm going to repeat it here, is that there is there is this phenomenon. It's the Nick Saban uh, syndrome where um, there's only one Nick Saban. And, and I'm not talking about the SEC in particular. I'm just saying there's like one guy who is so good that he gets to just, you know, they, they basically – you could keep him. He he could have a, a contract for life. They talked about this with Harbaugh, right, and stuff like that. But it has. It's not. I don't know if that's true or real, or if it's going to happen. But right, like, I saw that. Yeah. Like Nick, like Alabama. I can't see a time. You know, they had Bear Bryant. They end up with Nick Saban. They went much. Now. I can't see a time when Alabama say, you know, I just I'm tired of Nick. You know, even though Nick is is you know got got frustrated much probably like Jimbo a few years ago and was looking at Texas. Uh, and denied that after it was absolutely happening that, you know, the, the fan base, you, you're, you're a victim of your own success. If Jimbo Fisher doesn't play for a national championship, the people are, are out of their minds crazy. Like, what happened? I thought we were I thought we were a top four team. Right. And it's sort of, I, I think that these coaches now, Tom, 
have a short shelf life. It's more becoming like the NFL. You know, it used to be Woody Hayes was at Ohio State forever and Bo Schembechler and John McKay was at USC and the Bear was at Alabama. And well, yeah, you know, you, those guys stayed for 20 years, 25 years. They stayed years. for 20 years. You're going to see college football become just like the NFL, in my opinion, in that everybody wants success. They want it today. They want it right now. If you can't win us a national championship, we're going to move on to the next guy. And the reverse of that is if you do have success, you know, Kevin Sumlin had some success, but it was only under Jenny Manziel. Beat Alabama one time. Couldn't beat Alabama anymore. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. <laughs> you know, Georgia, you know, had had a coach for a long time. Mark Rick, you know, didn't win the SEC. You got to go. You know, now he's at Miami. And then look, I look back at ten, Tennessee's in this mess because they fired Phil Fulmer because they got right. trying to win in nine games. I look back at ten look, games, look at, nine games, ten games, ten games. A lot of years he won a national oh, yeah. championship there, and it wasn't good enough after a while because uh, they yeah, had one was, bad season and they ran him out. He was owning the Outback Bowl. I mean, it was becoming his <laughs> personal bowl there for a while. So, yeah, I, I just think that that's what's happening in college football is that, and I think the coaches feel that. I think the coaches feel like I got to get out of here. These people are crazy. I, it's right. got to be new. It's got. I got to be new to somebody again. Somebody's got to fall in love with me again. Well, I can because understand they just take why. It for yeah. granted. I can understand why Jimbo Fisher. It look. It's always nice to be flirted with if you have a job and somebody calls you about another job, even if it's not a better one. Sure. It sounds fun, and you like to listen to it. Maybe you get a raise out of your leverage, out yeah. of the current job. But at the same time, if I'm Florida State and I'm looking at Jimbo Fisher, and I thought about this today, Rick, there, I would, I would, who I would put ahead of him, I'd put. Urban Meyer ahead of him, obviously Nick Saban at the top. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, and I'm starting to run out of names now of guys that mm. I would place ahead of him to be a head coach. If you had a draft tomorrow, or if I was a, if I was a program and I could pick any coach in the country, he'd be in my top five. Absolutely, oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I got news for you: when he leaves, the guys who are ahead of him on your list, whether it's Saban and uh, and Urban Meyer and and whoever else you want to throw in there. I got news for you. They're not coming to Florida State. So whatever guy you get, and it's probably going to be Willie Tigert. That's suddenly the rumor now. Jesus, uh, it, it just Willie's just bound for Florida. Like I went to Oregon it? just to get back to Florida. <laughs> and I think that'd be a mistake personally. I'm not a big. I'm not. I don't know that Willie's ready for this. I don't because I don't know that he's ready for Oregon. It seems to me like Quentin Flowers got him some jobs. <laughs> yeah, and, he did. Yeah, he's got any and, eligibility uh, left? He might help him out at Florida State. Well, exactly. Jeez. Well. Uh, but anyway, uh, I just uh, I I think Florida State will rue the day when they let Jimbo get away if that's what happens here in the next few days, and apparently that's uh, that's what's happening. Uh, meantime, Florida Dan Mullen comes in. That looks like you know what, Rick, fine hire, good guy. I think he'll win some games. I don't think he's going to be Spurrier or Urban Meyer, but I don't think he's going to be Will Muschamp or Ron Zook either or Jim McElwain. Well, he was there four years and they went to two national championships, right? One, right. two, I believe. So, yes, as the know, coordinator, he, he, offensive coordinator. Yeah, as the offensive coordinator. So he knows what it looks like. He knows Florida. He knows how to recruit. I'll say this about Mullen. Like, I I get a little you know, sentimental, emotional, what have you, as somebody that, you know, would aspire to something, some job, and it, and it just, you know, seems always out of your grasp. I mean, like Dan Mullen probably eyeballed Florida for a very long time. You know, like, boy, if I could just get that Florida job. And he went to Mississippi State, which I'm here to tell you, Starkville, no no great shakes. Um, but, you know, and the program was down. And he did. He built that thing up, man. And he had identified a quarterback in Dak Prescott, and he was there four years, and they won 
a lot of games for especially especially you know for Mississippi State. And the whole time Florida is hiring coaches, and they don't never really look his way. And I don't know if that was a you know that was an AD thing with Jeremy Foley. Like I don't know why he wasn't higher on their list per se. Right. Maybe it's just who he is. Maybe they knew him too well and they didn't like him. I don't know. Um, or thought the job was too big for him. But he learned a lot and he and he spent a lot of time there at Mississippi State. And he and he and he learned how to build and he and he, you know, he, he concentrated on the job he had. And this opportunity comes, and I'm telling you, when I was watching this corny video that Florida put out of him landing on the private plane, and here comes the wife and the kids, you know, and he's doing the gator chomp and and uh, and he gets up there and says, you know, there's no place I'd rather be. I believe him. Like, I believe this place matters to him. And and as corny as it sounds at the University of Florida, that's, like, really important. It, it sure really is. is. And and Spurrier, you know, he has the blessing of the Pope, you know, who's in the building still, Steve, and uh, the old ball coach. And so, to me, this was a good day for, for Dan Mullen. I don't know how good it was for Florida. But it's a really good day for Dan and his family, and I'm kind of happy for him. And I don't know the man. No, I don't know him either. And if I look around and and I wanted Chip, I thought Jim Kelly would be their best hire for Florida. You thought Scott Frost? They they tried for both of those guys, didn't yeah. get them. I think yeah. after that, yeah, probably. I don't. I, I I'm fine with Mullen if I'm a Florida fan. I think it's okay. <laughs> you know what I did? I asked a uh, I asked the Florida State fan. What do you th- because ask the yeah. rival? That's what that you want to get a real answer That's about true. what kind of hire is. Ask the rival. And I asked a buddy of ours, uh, Rodney Page, who's a big Florida State fan. I said, uh, so what do you think, Dan Mullen? He's like, eh, I kind of wish they had gotten. Uh, Willie Taggart. Willie I go, Taggart. Yeah, by the way, that's who you're going to get next. But I yeah. said, uh, he said, yeah, Mullen. He goes, yeah, that guy scares me a little bit. He scares mm-hmm. me. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a decent hire. It's a good hire. Speaking of Charlie, by the way, Charlie Strong, we're talking about him and Willie Taggart and all that. So if you're Tennessee now, you missed out on Dan Mullen. Yeah. I, I don't know that the, uh, Charlie Strong would be a, he would be a safe pick, just sort of like Dan Mullen was a safe pick at Florida. Charlie Strong would be a safe pick for Tennessee. I don't know they're going to go after him. Apparently, they're interested in T. Martin, who's uh, who's an assistant now, was a quarterback there, won a national championship. Won the national championship. Peyton failed for four years. That's right. And <laughs> uh, and certainly he would bring the fan base a little closer together after this Shiano mess. Is he ready for that? Is T. Martin I don't know, though. Him? See, there you go. I don't know. I don't know that he is. But uh, – but I don't. Maybe it's a maybe it's a more exciting hire than Charlie Strong. But I'd I'd take a look at Charlie Strong if I was Tennessee. Absolutely, wouldn't you? Uh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> ringing endorsement for Charlie. Well, Strong. no, I you know I don't have anything against Charlie Strong. I mean, you know, it just seems. How do I say this? It doesn't it doesn't feel like a great fit to me just on the surface, and I I don't know why. Maybe he's better off where he is for a long time. Maybe USF is where he should stay. For. Well, I don't think I, USF would be happy with that, right? Ten USF's years never been a Charlie destination. Strong? Why would it be a destination for Charlie? Because a different uh, place in his career. Maybe like, I mean he's fifty seven. Not that that's yeah, old. He's, no, but, but he's cl- closer to sixty than most. And maybe he right. says I can stay there for ten more years, and and you know. Wouldn't have to play this chase game, but you're not going to make the money. You're not going to be have. You're not going to have a Power Five conference. You can't win a national championship. Hell, they haven't won a conference championship in that in that AAC or whatever. Right. So came I, close I, though. I mean, they came close to cover kickoff. They have a chance to play for one man, this week. If weekend, you ain't yeah. first, you last, dog. <laughs> oh, That's man. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh come on! 
It's the AAC. What are we talking about? I, I, know. I, I, I know. Oh, yeah. Beat always tough Temple, and they go down to SMU. And then, well, watch out for Houston once in a while. They may have USF a would be great. USF, Please. though, would be pleased to have Charlie for 10 years, wouldn't you think? I would, if yeah. I'm USF, I'd be happy. I'd be, I'd yeah, because they're not the a destination Charlie. school for anybody. Right. Do you think they're a destination school no, for head coaches? I do not. No, it's either no. coaches on the way down. Because I was thinking about this: if he were to, if Charlie were to leave, so let's say Charlie goes to Tennessee, which yeah. route does now they have two choices at that point? USF has two choices at that point. You can either go the young and up and coming route, hire some coordinator yeah. from somewhere, or the guy falling down, or the guy falling down like Butch Jones or That's right. Greg Shiano, oh God, uh, how, or how Brett Bielema, or somebody who needs Bielema to get back on. Good. Somebody needs to get back on his feet. But Brett Bielema would only want USF for, okay, just let me get back so I can prove to everybody I can coach again, and then in two years from now I can go take the job. But that's who uh, they are because in in, in either case, okay, if you get the up-and-coming guy and he succeeds like Willie Taggart, he's on to the next thing. If he fails, they're going to say, why'd you hire the guy? He never done anything. If you get the guy that's falling down, he comes in saying, I'm only here for a year or two. I mean, you think Lane Kiffin really told FAU, hey, this could be it for me. I'm going to be <laughs> I don't know what Lane Kiffin forever. thought of it. If he did say that, his nose was poking, no, th- poking but in, through. I know, but in either case, USF, tell me when USF ever becomes. You know who they would have been a destination job for? The guy Jim they Levin. fired. Jim Levin. Yes, yeah. because emotionally this is his town. He was the first and only coach. He built it from the ashes. This mattered to him. And, and he speaking of Jim Levin, by the way. everybody else. If Taggart comes back to Florida State, he's working for Taggart now, right? He's Taggart's defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, defense coordinator. So he come back to Florida too. Woo. Yeah, whole, that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of moves for him and his little girls, but that's that's the nature of the beast, I guess. Florida though, back to Florida. So yeah. Cool. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter. The podcast Twitter handle is at Rick Tom Podcast. You can find Rick at NFL Stride. You can find me at Tom. W. Jones. Once again, our thanks to our producer, Steve Versnick. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah. What? Huh? Happy birthday ah. to you. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Happy birthday, <laughs> TJ. All right. I'll stop now. But that's I hey, appreciate man. that. Happy thanks. 60th. I, you know, for 60, <laughs> you look marvelous. I must say I'd that. Say, and and don't let anybody out there tell you otherwise. <laughs> he looks great for 60. He does. I sh- I don't know if I should let go ahead and let that ride like that. Let just let everybody <laughs> think I'm 60 years old, or tell them at my real age. Actually, I'm 53, but I'm now. I'm. Uh, thank you very much. I have no plans other than to work. We'll do a TV show together, you and I. And That's um, right. See you in the morning. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Next time we talk to you, it won't be my birthday anymore, uh, but maybe we'll find out more about Jameis Winston and where Jimbo's going and where Charlie Strong is going and whoever else moves in college football. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 